The cannabis industry can be very scary and exciting at the same time, but you're not alone. Join the community and understand all the different influential people and ancillary providers who can help you scale and grow your audience and your business. I'm your host, Kamin Thrath. Let's dive into the Cannabis Business Development Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. We're excited to have today a special guest, Tom Schneider, who is the CMO of Revolutionary Clinics. Tom is a marketing executive with over 35 years of experience in building companies through branding and delivering integrated marketing ecosystems and business strategies for mid-sized to Fortune 500 companies. Tom believes that great marketing should be steeped in community involvement along with a visionary approach to the basic principles of marketing, using customer and competitor insights to create the brand, drive awareness, generate leads, develop new business, and invitably guide product evolution. And uh, Tom has spent the last five years serving as the Chief Marketing Officer at Revolutionary Clinics, located in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. Rev Clinics has been renowned since its opening in 2016 and has received numerous awards, such as the Best Medical Cannabis Dispensary in New England and the fourth fastest growing company in America on the Inc. 500 list. They are at the forefront of the cannabis revolution and aim to dissolve the stigma around cannabis use, connect with the communities and patients they serve, and be a healthy and positive force in the growing cannabis culture. So, bravo. Welcome, Tom. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> so, what got you to be in this business? You, I mean, you have such a, a long tenure in the marketing space. So, what was your pull to cannabis? Well, you know, I always liked cannabis going back to literally like seventh grade. And, you know, I was your typical high school pot dealer. So I understood cannabis and I understood that it was good and not bad. So through my years, you know, I had marketing companies that I grew and either sold or passed on or whatever. And I was asked to look at Rev Clinics for an investment. The way they did um, their grow facility is that each floor was a separate investment and there was a different syndicate that would come in and put their money into that floor and then their return would come as, as a multiple of the biomass coming off each floor. So it was a really pretty unique way to fund a grow facility and our grow facilities, you know, it's a big old cool building in Fitchburg on the Nashville River it used to be a L.L. Bean and Colhan shoe factory. So really cool post to be in place. And I met Keith, the CEO. And of course, when you go to invest, potentially invest, you usually meet the CEO and, and the C-suite to understand what's going on. And I love the place. I mean, the grow is like unbelievable. It's spotless. It is like the nicest grow I've ever seen. And I did make a comment about the marketing, you know, that was kind of like, geez, I, I love this place. I, I don't think your website really tells a story that I'm seeing here. And so he started talking to me about, well, what do you know about marketing? And I said, well, I was the chief marketing officer of the last company I was in and so on and so forth. And I've run agencies. And uh, so I do have a certain sense for marketing. And, you know, next thing you know, we're having lunch. And next thing you know, I'm the chief marketing officer of this company. I was not looking for the job. <laughs> and I got really excited about the job as soon as I heard about it, because I'm like, cannabis, this is perfect. You know, I mean, I've always had cannabis in my house. It's always been something I'm, I'm not a an enormous user, but I, you know, I'm a daily user at the end of the day. So it was just kind of worked for me. Yeah. It just felt natural. Right. Yeah. Well, I was also in, I'd also been marketing spirits and wine and beer a lot in my career. So I understood that kind of 
need state marketing where people want to go somewhere else from their kind of normal grind, their normal day, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you might want to have a beer. At the end of the day, you might want to have a glass of wine. At the end of the day, you might want to have a joint or a gummy to relax. So that part was easy for me. What do you feel is the challenge for a lot of cannabis businesses who are trying to build their awareness in their marketing? Well, I mean, at this point, the saturation's starting to take over. When we got in, you know, all you had to do is have a license and a door and there was a line there waiting for you to open. Now there's, you know, I don't have the exact number, but I'm going to say there's a couple hundred dispensaries in the state and usage has not increased. So, you know, the last six months, cannabis usage in mass has been flat. However, we've increased by so many different stores as well as grows. So right now, um, if you're opening a rec dispensary today, there's a good chance at the end of the first day, you're going to look around and say, where was everybody? Where before it was like, oh my God, you know, block the door. They're, they're coming through the windows. So that's really, to me, the saturation of the market is getting to become a real challenge for new people. And so now I drive down, you know, we had one of the first billboards in the state, which really helped put us on the map from an awareness standpoint. And it was a great investment. We actually had two billboards on 93 right near our dispensary. Now there's a lot of billboards. So do they impact you anymore? You know, you start getting a little numb, particularly you're out in the Worcester area, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's where you see a lot of billboards. So not only do you have competition for the customer, but you have competition for like eyeballs and awareness and the brand. It's going to be all about the brand, you know, like some are going to last and some aren't going to last. And the ones that are going to last are the people that have cool concepts and brands that speak to people. And let's peel that onion a little bit more. I think you and I have very similar mantras where a lot of folks will say, I want to be the apple of cannabis. And then everyone says that and I say, well, what does that mean? But what they're trying is to share their story to say, we need our brand to stand out. Everyone else is saying the same thing. So if we were to insert you, Tom, into a brand new dispensary, right? Knowing the saturations, seeing billboards are everywhere, what would be your approach? Well, you know, I think, I feel like the day of opening up a dispensary that kind of just looks like a jewelry store and everybody's going to come blown, blown the walls are over. I think, you know, a good concept and, and I'm going to, if it's okay, I'll mention a few that I think are great, you know. Because you'll see the vibe even when you go to Nikan. You look at Caroline's cannabis and, uh, you know, she's got that kind of woody, wood grain feel. It's got a kind of a nice warmth to it. It's attractive. I look at Bud's Goods. Bud's Goods has a very cool interior that feels, um, I don't really know how to place it, but it's just got a good vibe and a good feel. We focus on our people. So when I advertise I generally don't advertise our product. I advertise our people and our vibe because that's what people are actually looking for. They can go to 200 dispensaries and we're all selling the same weed, right? Except for a couple of you know, instances where somebody might be growing something special and they don't wholesale it out. But basically we all got really great weed and we all have really great gummies and we all have great stuff. So how are you going to attract people? And one of the things I, I tell folks is that when a person walks through the door, they should feel like they're walking into their favorite restaurant. You know, the old uh, 
where everybody knows your name from that old TV series. But I can't Ch- see the name. Cheers. Cheers, yeah. <laughs> like when I walk through the door of let's say a restaurant and, and the host is there and they're like, hey Tom, good to see you. You know, yeah, your favorite seats over there are open at the bar, and you go heading towards the seat, and the bartender looks at you and points at you and goes, I got one coming right up for you. You'll never go anywhere else. You know, you feel like you're home. I believe that is one of the ways to really, really attract a customer and keep them coming. I did consumer research before I started this job because I was going to actually, I, I had been hired before I got the job to do some consultant work for them at Rev. And uh, I talked to about 15 different cannabis customers in different parts of the country. And they all came around to the fact that they went to their dispensary because of the people that they connected with there. So I think that is a great way to make a difference and really connect with your folks. Now, there are other ways, of course, vibe, feeling cool, doing a really good job. I'm really impressed by what I see coming over on newsletters from uh, INSA. It's just cool and clear and straight ahead. So it's really, it's a combination of building a brand like anything else. I mean, Apple is a brand. You mentioned Apple. They won with attitude. They won with finish. So no amount of marketing is ever going to replace or or, or is ever going to overcome a bad brand. So they had a good brand. You know, Apple, not only did they have a good brand, but they came up with great advertising and great branding. So once you got the customer there, they were hooked. I mean, I've been buying iPhones since the iPhone 3, you know, and the same thing with what we have to do. We have to deliver that product. We can get them over the threshold. But remember, once you get them over the threshold, you've got to give them a reason to want to come back. Yeah. It's a smaller piece that everyone's trying to vie for that attention. Exactly. Um, I think the, the brand, and I've had this many conversations with all the leaders is, Branding is not just an on sales aspect, right? When it comes to people, I think it's really forcing businesses to tell their story better for recruiting and retaining, right? Because that's Absolutely. also a challenge as well. So like, can you kind of talk a little bit about that time? Like yeah. how important and brand plays when it comes to that side of people? I think it's pretty important. HR does actually tap me a lot to say, hey, help us with this. You know, we want to have a great message and a great video or some great creative around our company. I will say this in talking to other people and other businesses, we do have a little bit of a luxury in cannabis because as you know, the workforce is kind of like magically gone away during COVID. But the one area where people are still sending in resumes is the cannabis area because people look at it as a new frontier and they want to jump on it. I'm not saying that we're not having a hard time finding good people. We always are. But when I talk to some of my friends in the restaurant industry and some other service industries, they're like, they can't find anybody. That's half the reason restaurants don't open. It's not because they fear COVID as much as they can't find enough staff to restaff up. And so some of them are still doing, you know, overhead and pickup. Redbones has been doing it for two years in Somerville and he'd like to open, but he's got to go out and find 40 people, 50 people to staff up his restaurant and I don't know what happened, but the American worker has gone underground. <laughs> I wish it's I could a, go it's, underground. It's, it's the same thing with clients to your earlier comment, right? There's a smaller pie to, to pick yeah. from. So yeah. your brand and your messaging is so critical. And I think to the success of your business on the front of the house, but also the back of the house. Yeah, it really and is. There's, there's really a lot is. of pressure on marketing and not even pressure. I think like people need to also value marketing differently now. I think people are seeing that, like how important marketing plays and risk the overall health of a business. 
from sales mm-hmm. enablement to operations and HR. Absolutely. I mean, this is a B2C business, so you, you have to have marketing. It's <laughs> Consumer marketing is super, super important. The B2B side, you know, I believe you need to have really great marketing. Not everybody believes that, but B2B is another area because we're a big wholesaler and it's important because there's a lot of other big wholesalers out there. So we need to have something that's a little bit special to help us in that market in that sense. And I see, I'm sure you run into this too, a lot of young marketers, to your point, gravitating to cannabis because it's a new frontier. So you're seeing these young marketers coming in as maybe the new CMO with two years experience and they work in a completely different industry and they are now tasked to do the same responsibilities that you have, but they don't have the experience. What advice would you give that marketer who's like, holy crap, what did I just walk into? It's funny you mentioned that because since we have a wholesale business, one of the things that we do as well as anybody is we help people get open because think about it. You're, you know, you're a young marketer, you're a young owner, and you're going to open a dispensary, which sounded like a really good idea two years ago. And now you're ready to go. And you're not quite sure what to do. Not that you don't know what to do, but there's all sorts of unknowns. So we talk to people and help them get open as a wholesale seller. And that's part of our service strategy. So I do talk to a lot of people and there is a lot of youthful and experience, but it's still good because I think particularly in this industry, you can do that. This isn't, you know, technology. This isn't something where you've had to have tons and tons of experience. It's a retail play. I would say, listen and get advice watch or, or definitely go to the networking events, meet people, learn. Because when you go to these networking events, you know, you'll meet number one, all the people in wholesale are there. They're all pretty cool people. You'll find all the top wholesalers in the state and it's a community, right? It's a fun community. And you go to those nights, get there on time, go to the tables and talk to people and listen. Don't tell, don't talk, listen. Because a lot of these people have, you know, three, four, five more years experience than you do. No more than that though. (laughs) And I talk to a lot of people in that exact situation and I hook them up. So don't forget if you're a marketing person, you don't have to do it all yourself. There's agencies, there's consultants, there's a lot of uh, freelancers out there that really know their shit. And I hook people up with those. It's a funny business. I've never been so cooperative with my competition in my life. Like I help people get open all day long. So do all of our wholesale guys do. Now, granted, we are selling wholesale, but we also have three retail facilities. And it's really it's a nice community that way where we're all working together. And if somebody's opening a store, we're in there literally. I mean, Deidre, who's one of our wholesale people and she's new business. She's literally like sometimes she's got a towel around her head and she's washing windows and helping, you know, wipe down all the shelving before they get open. <laughs> like this is really a service. <laughs> But, you know, and then they become best friends. They become friends because we're all kind of in this business together. And we're all kind of up against the fact that we're selling something that's federally illegal, but it's legal here in the state. And we have the 280E issues and we're all kind of suffering some of the same problems, but we're also there to celebrate and and have a good time and, and start a new industry. Who gets to start a new industry? I mean, I'm so excited that I can start a new industry or be part of starting a new industry. 
To your point, you mentioned community a few times, and that's really the essence of also this podcast. You know, you asked me this question earlier, like, who's this for? And there's not enough of the community or the interactions. And I really feel like it's rising tides lift all boats, regardless if, if, if it's a competitor, because there's this camaraderie because of all the shared challenges and the pain and su- success. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes this cannabis community unique. Yeah. I would love to kind of have you unpack a little bit more. What does the cannabis community mean to you, Tom? What I love and, and, you know, I see these folks, like when I go to a networking event, which I do actually go to quite a few, it's exciting because I see a lot of 20 something and 30 something folks getting as a part of the foundation of this industry. And me having been in the beverage alcohol industry for so long, working with Diageo, which is a, you know, I don't know what Diageo is worth, but it's, you know, probably worth probably verging on a trillion dollars at this point. You know, that's Smirnoff and Cuervo and all those brands. This is where we're going, folks. So these young people that are working hard and the good ones that are putting their time in and doing it right, when they're 60 years old, they're going to be the captains and the leaders of this enormous industry. And it's all started here in our various states. So the community is just this great amount of energy. And I really like it. You know, I mean, I like the people in it. I talk to people all the time. I've been in the business long enough and I've been in business long enough that a lot of people do call me just to get advice and chat. And I love giving it. I'll stay up all night talking to people. When you say, what does it mean to me? I don't know what it means to me, except it's like my other family. It's my Mm -hmm. other family. I do get a little sad. There is kind of like different factions, you know, there's people that don't think that multi-state organizations should be allowed and it should all be mom and pops. And I'm more like, there's a whole ecosystem here. I'm also, you know, been in the beer industry and in the beer industry, we all kind of get along too. Although, you know, when you talk about Miller and and Bud, there is some fierce amount of uh, competition, but you get that tier of the big multinationals right? You've got your Miller, your Bud, your Coors, and then you get your middle kind of zone, like your Boston beers and your Sierra Nevadas. And then you get your Trilliums and your remnants and your, you know, Lord Hobos. It's a well-oiled ecosystem and everybody has a chance. Brewers have a chance, just like growers have a chance. And I, I believe it should just be kind of a free ecosystem and it's going to survive because not everybody wants to drink Budweiser there's going to be a spot for, you know, everybody. So I love the community. Yeah, and there's opportunity I, everywhere. There's opportunity everywhere. There's room for everybody. And it's not evil to be multi-state unless you're evil. Right? I mean, if you're evil, you're not part of this community. <laughs> well, you can be evil and you won't be a part of the community, but you can be in the business. Yeah. So Tom, with all your experience you've had, of course, you probably have been through some failures and I call these lessons. So like, what are some lessons that you can share with us? Yeah, um, I would embrace the equity community more than I did coming out of the gate. You know, I came out of kind of businesses that I actually started or was traditional and it was really, I was always very fair and I always felt like I was a very fair businessman, but the cannabis space has a real place for people of color that have been disproportionately harmed by the war on drugs. And while I knew that we had to be a part of that solution, 
I would have been a bigger part of that solution. Another area is that I, I wouldn't call this a failure. I would call this a success, but you can learn from successes too, is as soon as I got here, I slash we created 10 different brands. And had we not created those 10 different brands, we'd be in a much different place. So if you're getting into the grow facility end of things and the production facility end of things, it's good to have brands because they're going to, you know, as you mentioned Apple before, they carry their own weight and they sell. Once people fall in love with your brand, they're going to keep coming back for those brands. So I would say in that case, that was more of a success where I've learned. And, uh, you know, we haven't had any super failures where we learned a lot from. I would just, again, focus on your brands and invest yourself into that space where you can help other people that don't really have the chance or didn't have the chance to get them up and rolling. When it came to you deciding on those 10 brands to go into, how does someone know, like, do I do two? Do I do one? Do I do 50? Like, do I do any brands right now? Like I'm reselling other brands. Like is different models okay? Or do you highly recommend to do this model? Different models are okay. So if you're a retailer, okay. And here's actually a learning. We spend too much time selling rev products only in our dispensaries. And we saw other dispensaries bringing in, you know, wholesale products. And we couldn't really figure out why you would do that. I mean, not that we couldn't figure it out. I mean, obviously people want those products, but it's like, you got your own products to sell. So you're bringing in competing products. Like, why would I bring in five other fruit chew brands when I have my own fruit chew brand to sell? Well, guess what? Customers like the superstore concept. Customers like to go to one place and be able to pick all the top products out of Massachusetts out of that place. And you're still doing okay selling someone else's product. Uh, because there's some margin there, nothing like your own product. But what you do is you create somewhat of a superstore concept and customers like it. I, did, I didn't know if it would work, but I've seen others do it and we've gotten closer to it. We should have deployed that maybe a little bit earlier, but as a new dispensary owner, number one, I would find somebody you trust. And there are people out there that are wholesale sellers that will also, I can tell you, the person that sells wholesale for us that's new business. Like she talks to all the new business accounts, Deidre. Deidre sits down and tells you what to buy. And half the stuff she tells you what to buy is not ours because she knows what's going to make your store sing. She knows that you need to have this brand. You should have 1906. You should have Kiva. You should have Moxie's. You should have, you know, this brand or that brand. And they really appreciate it because they don't know what the store set should look like. She's been to so many dispensaries and watched so many succeed and fail. She knows what's working. And so that is something you should, as a new dispensary, make sure you find somebody and hook up with somebody that's giving you good advice and not just selling you their stuff because they need that help. They need to know how deep to go. I feel like there's a theme, right? It's about people and community in the conversation we're having. And I, I think that's relevant to any industry out there. Those brands out there that are, are doing well, crushing the numbers, still getting through the pandemic. It's because they're focusing on people and they're also focused on reconnecting with the community or building a new community. How do you guys connect with your community today? Like, what is it that Rev Clinics is doing? You know, we have a hell of a email list, 26,000 people on that. We have stash bashes. Like last week, we had something called Rev Radio. The stash bashes, which were parking lot parties, where we would bring in food and have a band or a DJ, we did monthly. And then COVID came along, kind of squelched it. 
plus winter kind of squelches it because we do it outdoors because of COVID. We did a few this summer. And in the winter, we have Rev Radio, where we have our favorite DJ, his name's Bobby Bangers, streams off of Twitch, an unbelievable set of killer music. And people jump on and watch it. I love doing like street parties. I love having brunches, like we'll throw brunch on. We did a Sunday, we did like probably six months of Sunday brunches where you just got free brunch when you came to our place on Sundays. People love that. I like people. So I like our customers. So I love to kind of do things with them and, and really kind of throw parties and events. And that's really one way to connect. And then, you know, just through, we survey, everybody gets surveyed. When you buy from us for the first time, you'll get a survey, you'll fill it out. We're in tune with our customers as much as we possibly can. If there's a complaint, we jump all over, we call them, we invite them in, we make sure everything's all right. We have a woman that works for us, Barbara, who's coined the Canamom, and she just runs a consultation service for free. If you're wondering about cannabis and medical cannabis and how cannabis might affect you, or gee, I have this pain, or I have this issue, or I have this anxiety, what would you do? She's on the phone all day talking to people and giving them obviously non-medical advice because she's not a doctor, but advice based on what she's heard from other people. So I would say just being, you know, it's funny. I've mentioned Redbones before and a very good friend of mine owns Redbones and I watched him build that community over there. It's a barbecue restaurant in Somerville. And he had, you know, parties for bike week, you know, block parties. He has a homeless coalition he takes care of. He's kind of just a really, really key member of the neighborhood and helps the neighborhood. And that's what I want to be. And that's what we are actually. We have a, a neighborhood committee in uh, Somerville and it's a group of neighbors and local businesses and they're kind of our board of advisors. And we meet quarterly and we decide who's gonna get the donation for the year. I have $10,000 that I set aside in Somerville. And we split it between uh, a small group of nonprofits and, and they're also a great ear for the community and voice to the community. So if you know there's an issue about like litter or there was somebody who did this or, you know, they raced out of your, I hear about it and we care about the community and I care about the restaurants in our community. We do a lot of promotions that tie them in. Right now we're doing, we just bought 90 pizzas from a local pizza guy because I guess, uh, you know, national pizza day is coming up. So we're going to give away pizza with every order over a certain amount, but I'll tell you the pizza guy down the street loves it. Taco Loco on May 5th, we do the same thing every year. We give you the three taco plate. We pay for it straight out. They give us the coupons and hundreds of people go over there and have tacos. For everyone that's listening, I'm telling you, like Tom is doing it the right way. And it's not rocket science. Your heart ah. has to be there. It has to be pure, but you yeah. have to put the effort and work in. It has to be sincere and authentic. And we are always advising our clients to like, how are you tying to the community? No matter what industry you're in, how are you connecting with people? So sometimes leaders, they need attributions and data all the time. You know, right. Tom, so like, can you track these types of community and like event type of feel good things? Cause there's some things you can track, some things you can't track, but I think there's a way you can feel it. You right. could, but I know that it's good. So I'm not going to go through the trouble to actually measure the success of it, you know, it's like having friends, you know, you don't measure that. You just enjoy it. <laughs> well said. That's well said. We're coming close here to the end here. It's flying by, but I, I do want to ask, you know, 
a, a productivity question. I think I'm always interested in how someone ticks. So with all the stuff that you're doing, Tom, how do you stay organized? How do you stay focused? It's hard. It's really hard. You know, I've been doing this a lot my whole life and I am actually more of a creative madcap than I am an organized CMO. So one of the things I do is I make sure when I hire people, they're organized, right? Because my staff tends to be more organized than I am, which is really, really helpful. But, you know, I use various platforms, like I use monday.com, which is really pretty helpful because I can lay out my entire marketing plan on monday.com, you know, and each little section is like a chunk of the plan, right? Like adult use, you know, delivery, you know, and how that's going to work out. And then you've got, there might be, 25 headings from retail marketing to wholesale marketing to delivery marketing and then the subgroups under there and it's a pretty good platform because it reminds me every day of what i haven't done yet <laughs> and uh, keeps me really on track but again i hire people this is another good piece of advice hire people that are better than you at the things they're good at like never be afraid to hire somebody who's better than you a lot of people are. So, you know, if I hire a social media person, they're not necessarily learning from me. I'm actually learning from them because they're social media experts. And so again, if you feel like you need help because you have so much to do and you need to be organized, make sure the person that you hire is organized. Got a little bit of OCD going there, you know? <laughs> and uh, so then you're a good team right? You're a great team. It's a little yin and yang. You've got the vision. You've got some great ideas. You've got the teamwork thing and they're keeping track of everything and what they're being delegated on. Not that I don't keep track of things, but to me, hiring people that are better than you in certain areas, is one of the most important things you can ever do. I, I love it. I live by the same mantra. It's like surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. you know, right. And identify your weaknesses, your strengths. You stay right. in your lane, but there's some overlap. It's, it's a synergy thing. Yeah. Um, all right. This has been wonderful, Tom. So I, I want to give you an opportunity to let us know, like, what are you guys working on right now? So what are you guys up to? So we are opening a, a Lemonster dispensary, which will be adult use. We're expecting Somerville to go adult use pretty soon because the way their system works, we should be up. We've got a partner on doing adult use delivery because right now, you know, you have to be social equity or uh, economic empowerment and they have, they own 51% of it, but we're, interested in getting behind these people and, and, and getting this up and running. You're serving, you're bringing value wherever yeah. you go. And so on that note, cause I know you like to help and serve. If people are looking to connect with you, Tom, what's the best way for them to get uh, hold of you? T Schneider, S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R at revclinics.org. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot for your wisdom today. And, and we look forward to hopefully having you back on. All right. Well, thank you very much. And I look forward to seeing the show. Thanks for spending your time with us. This podcast is for you. And if you have any topics you'd like to learn more about or suggestions, please email us at podcast at indicativemarketing.com. And don't be a stranger. Connect with me on LinkedIn.